Hi, welcome to episode 60 of Talk About the Passion, Let It Grow. This episode is named after a Grateful Dead song. Today's episode is a little different than what you normally hear on this podcast, but I was excited to do this one. My guest today is named Julia Agron, and we are from the same town, Swampscott, Mass. We went to the same high school, although I'm a few years older uh, than her. We, we had a lot of the same friends in the circle of outsiders, creative types, you know, punk rockers and hippies. We all kind of crossed paths because you had to in a suburban town like that. Uh, a few months back, I put a note out on Facebook asking if folks wanted to be on an episode of the podcast from any background, and uh, she reached out to talk about uh, cannabis and marijuana and hemp. Uh, I never wanted this podcast to just be about hardcore metal and that kind of stuff. It's obviously slanted towards that, you know, because that's sort of my background and where most of my friends are. But hey, did you know I saw the dead over 30 times and can spew off dates of shows, set lists, and all that kind of nerdy stuff just as easy as I could probably name every uh, Iron Maiden song in order from their first 10 albums. Wait, I don't, I don't think I could actually do that. What I'm trying to say here is it's nice to have your foot in many different genres of music, different circles of friends from different backgrounds to talk to. Uh, the main thing we talk about in this episode is obviously hemp and cannabis. Julia grows hemp and has been involved in all different areas of cannabis from working in one of the first dispensaries in the state of Massachusetts to, you know, going to politicians to speak about laws and that kind of thing. We talk quite a bit about the journey to marijuana being legalized in Massachusetts to the struggles uh, farmers are having the last couple of years in this industry. Julia knows uh, quite a bit about this stuff, so it was nice to pick her brain about a number of things at her family's place in Amherst, Mass. Uh, this was also the last in-person podcast uh, I've done. Uh, it was in mid-March, uh, just as they were telling us, you know, at the very least, not to touch other people. Uh, so it was great to catch up with her and meet her family on this day. Uh, this episode came out great, and I was uh, psyched to have her come on. One more thing before we get started. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Also, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and uh, frequently keep those updated. So, yeah. Anyway, here you go with episode 60, Let It Grow. Thanks for listening. I am here with my old friend, Julia Agron. We've known each other since the late 80s, probably. Yeah. Uh, we grew up in the same town, Swampscott, Massachusetts. And uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing uh, great. Wonderful to see you. Yeah, Chris. yeah, definitely. And we're out here in uh, Amherst, Massachusetts. Uh, how long have you been out here? I have been out here. I came out here to go to college, and I dropped out of college a lot and traveled and came back on yeah. and off. And then I moved back like 20 years ago. I yeah. was pregnant with my oldest daughter, and yeah. we've been here or near to here ever yeah. since. Yeah, yeah. nice. And uh, so you you grow marijuana? Well, we grow For, we, we grow hemp. Hemp is right. what we grow legally. Yeah. Uh, which the only difference between hemp and 
you know, marijuana for right. lack of a better word. Yeah. So they're, they're both cannabis. They're yeah. chemically exactly the same plant. It's just, um, 0.3% THC, mm-hmm. which is a legal definition and not right. a scientific one, but that's the definition. Anything with 0.3% THC or less is considered hemp and is relatively speaking legal in the United States. Right. Anything higher is cannabis and mm-hmm. then the license is way more expensive right. to grow that. Yeah. And so how did, how did you get into that initially? Uh, from marijuana, actually. So I, yeah. I I worked in the medical marijuana industry. I was one of the managers of one of the first dispensaries, and we were the only one that was out you know west of the Boston area for a really long time. Right. So we saw hundred we saw like three hundred people a day pretty consistently for three years. So I felt like I was really intimate. You know, I've always loved cannabis, and like from the minute where I like. When I started, you know, before I ever smoked my first joint, I was hanging around with people who smoked, and I didn't, and they were like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well, I'll show you. I will (laughs) research. Yeah. And um, so I... I got my hands on The Emperor Wears No Clothes by Jack Herrera, which is like the best book anyone could have gotten their hands on. And I was like, I'm going to smoke weed. (laughs) Roll me a joint. Like, I am committed to smoking weed for the rest of my life from here on out. So, like, so I've been committed for a really long time. But that experience (laughs) in the dispensary, those three years were like, I mean, it was amazing. Like, every single day. I heard somebody's story that like made me cry in a yeah. way that cannabis had like just changed their lives, right. transformed their ability to be in the world. Yeah. And um, but as it moved towards adult use, mm-hmm. you know, in Massachusetts, which like I'm all for it, I think everyone should be able to get their hands on it, and no one should ever go to jail for it, and the people who are in jail for it need to be let out. So we had to make it legal. Right. But we haven't done any of those things. But, yeah. Um. You know, so but when it was heading towards adult use, just the way the market was changing didn't really appeal to me. So I yeah. left because I really like working with patients, working with people, working, you know, intimately with right. helping people use the plant to make their lives better. And if I wanted to work in a retail store, like right. I would have got a job at Urban Outfitters. Yeah, yeah. So when it was becoming the Urban Outfitters of weed, I left and I started working with patients and as a consultant and doing a lot of education. And I actually found that a lot of people wanted to start using CBD because that was sort of like a safe way for them to experiment with cannabis use. And they were like hearing about all of these magical properties, which to some extent are true, but we Mm -hmm. can like talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to be able to recommend CBD to people that I felt good about recommending to them. You know, like I think that, you know, your food should be local and organic. Ideally, if you're eating for health, I think the same thing about your cannabis. And there wasn't really a lot of local or organic companies. So I, so we got a license and started growing it. And then I, you know, I happened to, I, you know, just, I happened to get together with a bunch of other farmers and processors and we were like, we should really start an organization. We really need, you know, we're really going to need that in this industry. And, you know, I believe that hemp can save the, well, the world's going to be fine, but it can save humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, I really believe it can. Like if we make meaningful changes, hemp can be a really big part of that Mm -hmm. on so many different levels. Uh, But it doesn't have to. You can grow it like a monocrop and you can, you know pour a bunch of poison on the earth and right. denude the topsoil for hemp too, if you yeah. want to. So it was really important for us to, you know, to come together around sustainable hemp cultivation yeah. and production, uh, you know, from, you know, from the ground to the final product, like, you know, all of it. I think that hemp can be a force for, you know, regenerative agriculture, but also for regenerating urban communities. Like we have a lot of mill towns around here. Right. I would love to see those mills filled with small scale factories making hemp right. fabric. There's no infrastructure for hemp yeah. in the United States right now. Yeah. But again, like 
how any of that is done can be sustainable and a benefit to, you know, to life on this planet, or it can just be more of the same bullshit. So, you know, so we came together around sustainability and that was sustainability and education was a hundred percent the focus of the group. And then the Northeast, which is the Northeast sustainable hemp association. And then, uh, the laws, well, that's not true. We don't have any laws. (laughs) We don't have any laws around hemp. We have lots of laws for cannabis, uh, but hemp, uh, we don't have laws or regulations. We have policy statements. And one night the government just of Massachusetts just issued a new one right. that basically banned half of the products that we were right. growing for yeah. and sent the whole industry in Massachusetts <clears throat> into a tailspin. And so I inadvertently have ended up spending the last year like talking about that a lot and yeah. doing a lot of advocacy around that, mm-hmm. which was never my plan. I right. wanted to grow hemp and... Yeah. Provide it to people. That was yeah, it, basically. Right, right. Other people who wanted to make cool stuff out of it. Right, right. Um, and th- so the road to it getting legalized in Massachusetts, you you were a, a part of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, so when did that sort of start? Well, I mean, like I mean, it started. A reality, yeah, like, like I mean, years and years ago, and many many years ago, in terms of. Really, you know, there, there was like so many efforts for legalization in Massachusetts yeah. that didn't go anywhere. Right. But, um, you know, medical was definitely, you know, medical was, uh, medical passed with like huge popularity in yeah. Massachusetts. And that was obviously the first step. And I think, you know, we had enough stores open that people were like, okay, like this is clearly benefiting people. It's clearly not causing mass chaos. Right. And, adult use ended up passing like pretty quickly and pretty easily and in fact i think more so than a lot of people thought it would right. i mean easily in you know in the short term in the long right. term it was actually you know a very long and difficult battle and actually like even in the end you know there were there was more than one bill being proposed for legalization of cannabis yeah. and you can argue whether the better one is the one that right. passed yeah. and you know like i think a lot of people really saw uh, you know, really saw that the path to legalization was something like we absolutely were committed to, but maybe we didn't get there in the best possible way. And we're still right. dealing with a lot of that yeah, in right. Massachusetts. You know, I'm, you know, for me, I felt like we have to vote for legalization because we have to be able to let people out of jail. Right. But does that happen? No, no, no right. it's really uh, almost, almost not at all. Yeah. There is, you know, there are provisions in the laws for people who have been directly, and for people and for communities who've been directly impacted by the drug war yeah. to get, uh, you know, like social economic, um, you know, uh, priority status, you know, with the CCC, which gives out the licenses. Yeah. Um, so far, there's been one uh, economic empowerment yeah. participant who's passed all, who hasn't opened, one who's opened and one who's like made it to like just the pre-opening stages. Like it's not, so, you know, the program exists within that system. It's not really working out fantastically right. well. Yeah. Um, in terms of people getting let out of jail, like almost not at all. Really? And we have, uh, yeah, I helped run an expungement event last summer. So I learned a lot about, so expungement is when you can have something removed from your record. So forget right. being let out of jail. These are people who've already like served their time potentially and still are having a hard time getting jobs, yeah, getting housing, getting loans because they have it on their records. And even for them to get crimes which 
they've committed, paid their time for, and are no longer crimes yeah. off of their record is still remarkably difficult and remarkably limited. That's and crazy. it's basically like if you have a an offense on your record from when you were like a minor, yeah. those can be expunged. If there's any like secondary offenses that were like whether there's any weapon or anything right. like driving under the influence, like then it becomes almost impossible right. to get anything changed. Huh. But I mean, that's how all the drug laws worked, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, like they just piled it on, <clears throat> yeah. and people ended up, you know, s- still serving like long sentences yeah, for yeah. absolutely minimal, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's without even getting into like how inequally it was enforced, right? Yeah. So, I know. so yeah, and almost so almost nobody's, almost nobody's been in Massachusetts. I'm trying to think if there are any. If any political prisoners have been let out in Massachusetts for cannabis yet, and I can't think of one. Yeah. And expungement is incredibly difficult. There yeah. continue to be bills put forth to like help expand it, but yeah. it's not a huge priority for right. for people. And um, so yeah, it's actually like, and we have an industry that's being dominated by rich white men right. already, yeah, and of course. and a small number of them, right. you know. So like, yeah, right now it doesn't really feel like legalization has really led to right. any of the changes that we want to see. But yeah, you also have to think about the fact that you know we can openly discuss cannabis use yeah. that people to some extent aren't continuing to go to jail for it, that yeah. we're continuing to see it spread all yeah. over the country. So like you have to hold on to the yeah. idea that like good things are happening yeah. Yeah. and that forward momentum really is occurring. Yeah. But yeah, it can be actually super yeah. disheartening, like yeah. being an advocate in this industry Definitely. and like, you know, whether it's like, you know, being employed or whatever in this industry, like it can be really disheartening when you're looking yeah. at the facts of it and you see how incredibly hard it is for the little guy. Like yeah. how incredibly yeah. hard. A lot of how I ended up working, you know, with the association that I work with and working with hemp farmers is people can afford to be hemp farmers. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, $500, $300 for a license and you can grow it wherever, but yeah. you need like a million dollars to enter the cannabis yeah. industry. And, you know, they can, even if they jump you to the front of the line, they don't give you a million dollars. There's no loan fund. Right. There's, you know, you can't pursue most of the traditional paths towards funding in cannabis, right? You can't go get a business loan. That's that's illegal. Federal. Right. Because it's federally illegal. So no bank will even talk to you. In fact, I even know people who have been kicked out of like banks that they've had, you know, yeah, for years because they found for out, paychecks, yeah. forget, for, forget for making money. Like, you know, we're not talking about like trying to start, like, start right. companies We're for cashing paychecks really? that they, yeah, huh. for, you know, cause they work for a cannabis company yeah. and banks are so afraid of touching it because of federal regulations. So, but hemp farmers, you know, can pursue more traditional paths. Yeah. It's still screwed because it's legal and there's no justification and the government has even told the banks that it's legal. Right. But people are still getting kicked out of banks, still getting yeah. kicked out of cra- credit card processing. Right. So like, yeah. So getting any form of, of funding for this is incredibly difficult. And so if you can't, you know, you can't, so these are people who are already disadvantaged, disadvantaged in getting a loan. Right. Now they can't get a loan yeah, anyway. Yeah. Like they, they can't, tap into their trust funds or, yeah. you know, cash in their 401ks. Right. Yeah, like that and, rich uncle that's going to... Yeah, they don't, them. they don't, yeah. and they don't know how to access, <clears throat> right. you know, angel investors right, right. and hedge fund money. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they, they don't have access to the people that they can even pitch to, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether they've, you know, 
created the industry. It doesn't matter if they've literally lost years of their lives for being pioneers in what is now a rich man's game. They can't get in, you know? So it's like super, it's super frustrating and depressing, but you see like, you see little like chinks in the armor happening and you see like little cracks and you just have to believe that eventually like enough daylight shines through and the wall comes down. A lot of metaphors there. (laughs) I just saw that uh, the first black owned yeah, uh, one opened in in uh, Boston. In Boston last week. Last and week, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, last week, and yeah. um, they they work like I. I mean, we, it's a small industry in the state, right. so like you know everybody you at know least peripherally, you know. Yeah. So, um, like they it was like they work really really hard. Like is to get that massive accomplishment. Yeah, and they are literally the first one in the state. So again, yeah. no amount of yeah, economic empowerment yeah. or social empowerment really gave them a leg up like yeah. if anything like it didn't level any playing fields. right right it may have given a you know just a few people like a little bit more access yeah. than they would have had Other before yeah. but it's still a prohibitively difficult yeah. process yeah so and is i mean that, yeah is, it, is that the result of just massachusetts like historically being like a a difficult place with the law i don't I don't think any of Massachusetts being Massachusetts helps. Like we're <laughs> yeah. super bureaucratic. Right. Our governor is not a fan of cannabis, yeah. so it's not like he's really like pushing. Right. You know, uh, our legislative process is slow and cumbersome. Yeah. It's weird. Like Massachusetts is is always a blue state. Yeah. But but you know, boy, here. do we love bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> boy, yeah. like that is our right. approach to yeah. democracy. Yeah. And that none of that helps. But and I but I also think that we are a state that has always courted big business yeah. you know we want to be the tech corridor right. we want to be the you know medical yeah. you know boston's like known for its hospitals and for its big medical companies and we know how to do that yeah. Yeah. you know we're not we're like a super racist state <laughs> no i know yeah, you know I boston know. is an incredibly racist state. i mean yeah. just besides my own personal opinions or my yeah. own like history growing up here like like statistics bear that yeah, out, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I don't think we have any systems in place to meaningfully address the drug war. Yeah. And I'm not sure we're, we want to. Right. I'm not sure that our real goal as a state is to really address the damage that has historically been done. Because, yeah. I mean, like, we joked about it before, but you got to put somebody in jails, yeah, right? Yeah, like, we're yeah. not really looking to stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so, like, unless you're going to stop filling the prisons, you, yeah. you know, so... I don't think there's systems in place for it, and I don't know how much will there is. I think there's some people who are real allies, yeah, both politically and, you know, the, we have legislators that have really pushed for meaningful yeah. change. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it's nobody, but right, I think right. as a state, I don't think that that's that's the kind of liberalism we yeah. really do. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, because it was uh, cannabis was legalized here in '16. It was the same year Trump got Oh, that's awful. So yeah. Like, so it was like a a great election and a. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I remember um, we, you know, I ran, I, I was the manager of the dispensary at the time. Yeah. And we actually, so we used to have like a morning meeting with the staff, which is like an amazing experience unlike any other business I can ever imagine because you had morning meeting where you're like, okay, is everybody like try their gram of the week? What do right. you think? We're looking for feedback. <laughs> yeah, Smoke yeah. anything good lately? You know, it was, so so we formed like a really tight community yeah. really fast, right? Like I've never, 
I also love working with millennials, which like nobody says that, right? But I think that they're actually amazing. And most people who say they don't want to work with them are just trying to be bad managers. Like they want to tell people what to do and like go back to their office. But these people were like so innovative and so creative and they bonded as a community. And so the day after the election, we were like, morning meeting was like a therapy session. You know what I mean? Like, and to some extent, even feeling guilty as Massachusetts, uh, no, like I should be really happy because like <laughs> cannabis is legal now, but I, I'm just so scared. Yeah. You know, like we're, like, we're a sensitive bunch of, <laughs> of flowers there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, yeah. And then, uh, so, but the, so it was legalized in 16 yes. and then the first actual recreational stores didn't open until late. Two year, years, yep. yeah. Which is pretty on par with how medical took to open yeah, too. Yeah. So like, and and what we saw with medical is in the first wave of applications, it took a really long time and was almost impossible to get a license unless you had like a former state senator right. on your yeah. board. And yeah. then it got easier. Yeah. And so hopefully we will see like subsequent waves. Of, right. We're even seeing it now. They're yeah. starting to like open faster. Right, you know? right. And to some extent, it's because like a bunch of people who are stalled in the process are all kind of coming to that yeah. point. Yeah. But I think they're realizing that the, you know, the rate that they were letting things open wasn't working. And people yeah. were like really, oh, yeah. really getting pissed yeah. off. Yeah. Because now I, I I never experience lines at them anymore. There's, yeah. There's two within... 20 minutes of my house now and it's it's definitely uh you have choices yeah you have choices yeah, and you, so we, yeah and now like i you know i'm talking to people who are comparing their experience yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. whereas before you know the experience was that you got to go into yeah, a store yeah, and buy stores. cannabis yeah, it didn't matter. yeah yeah you weren't like well i like because this one has menus and like <laughs> yeah. really nice chairs yeah the service yeah. yeah no i know i note that stuff now when i go to one yeah and like, you'll pick the one that like this yeah. one i don't have to talk to yeah, anybody yeah, or in this yeah. one like the guy's really knowledgeable yeah. or whatever and yeah. you know that's where uh that's where theoretically they will differentiate themselves when there yeah, are exactly. many of them yeah right? yeah yeah because you know, so I, I've got a studio in Holyoke in the same building that my studios in two dispensaries are building out. Or, yeah. You know, so two recreational dispensaries are building out because medical like doesn't even happen anymore. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a sad day for the patient in Massachusetts, right. but medical is not even like opening. So two rec yeah. dispensaries are building out and somebody was like, oh, two in the same building. And I'm, at first I was like, yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? What are they thinking? Right. But like. I don't know, when you go into the mall, have you ever been like, how many women's clothing stores right. do you need in one yeah. building? This I is know. ridiculous. Know, you know, like, funny. so I don't know why having two dispensaries in the same building yeah. is like, yeah. you know, somehow, so they'll have to, but they'll have to be different somehow, yeah. right? So it's yeah. going to be the, the service that they provide, yeah. hopefully like, you know, the weed that they sell, right. because right now there's only a limited window of yeah, options can, for that too. Yeah. Cultivation licenses weren't issued before... Yeah. Store licenses. Which, okay. So what is it? What is, what is that? A cultivation. So cultivation license. means you get to grow it. Right. Processing is if you're like if you're making whether you know concentrates or anything like that. That would be a processing. Right. And or manufacture or edibles, whatever yeah. it is. And then there's the dispensaries which are selling it. Right. right? So logically, you have to grow a plant before you can sell it. Right. And it probably. What many of us think it would have made sense in the industry to issue cultivation licenses quickly early on and then start to roll out stores. But we didn't do that. What we did instead was say anyone who had a medical dispensary had priority. So they opened, they're all vertically integrated so they could sell their own products and stores. 
And then only now are you really starting to see cultivation only facilities opening up and having a range of products so that there is a reason to go to this store versus that store, you know, because when there's only like five suppliers, they're all going to hope to have the same five products in there, you know? Right. Yeah. I've noticed certain places have stuff from other, like the the Rise place that's here. Some of the dispensaries up near me sell their... Mm-hmm. Not the, uh, is it right? Uh, rhythm. I think that's their the, line. Yeah, that's that's their, their, line. Okay. their flower line yeah, or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah but the, uh, yeah. So I'll see that at some of the places up near me. Yeah. And, yep. uh, so yeah. And then, uh, so you, you had posted something on social media about, a a conference and you had said, talking about growing challenges and the, 2019 so what 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 was that all uh, that about? was i was speaking specifically about not that there aren't challenges on, right. on the full end of the cannabis spectrum yeah but uh specifically about hemp yeah because so so cannabis is actually pretty well protected in massachusetts right. okay. we have pretty clear laws protecting it right um hemp was legalized in the same act that legalizes recreational cannabis right our hemp program is a it grew out of that legalization right. and not the 2014 or 2018 farm bill, which are how right. other states have started operating hemp programs. Right. We basically passed a law that said everywhere where it said, you know, marijuana is legal, it said and hemp. Right. Like, marijuana and hemp, and you will issue licenses for marijuana and hemp. Yeah. So that's where our program came from. And um, so MDAR, which is the Massachusetts Department of Agricultural Resources, uh, got you know, kind of made sense, right? Got tagged with overseeing the hemp program. And, um, you know, the CCC got cannabis. And the CCC has gone on to make, you know, extensive policies. There's all sorts of rules. MDAR were like a program within a program of MDAR. And they're, they're, I like to believe they're doing their best, but they're woefully understaffed. And so, you know, they're barely like keeping up. And the program is, is definitely not not flourishing because the government is supporting it. And we're literally talking about farmers who are, I mean, they're really trying to save their farms. You know what I mean? Like the, there was this idea that there was going to be this like killing to be made in hemp CBD, right? Right. Like everybody thinks it's about CBD. Like we're, we are now starting to see a differentiation in hemp farmers or for people who are interested in exploring growing for fiber or for seed. Everyone who grew in the past two years in Massachusetts grew for hemp. And so, um, you know, uh, I mean for CBD and, uh, they changed the policies and basically it's been sort of like a rolling target ever since. And we, you know, so it's really challenging because you don't have, like farmers will reach out to me because they've reached out to MDAR for a list of approved seed vendors. And right. MDAR is like, no, we don't give you that. Yeah. And I mean, literally short of Googling hemp seeds, some right. of them don't know, like a lot of these are far, traditional farmers who right. don't know anything about cannabis. And some of them are cannabis people who don't know anything about farming. Right. And both of those present a wealth of challenges entering yeah, yeah. into an industry that is both. Right. And the rules keep changing, and then the federal rules are still changing, yeah. and the USDA is talking about what the rules are going to be, and the FDA is talking about whether or not CBD is going to be allowed in food or yeah. not, because Epidiolex is a drug, and blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of challenges. Yeah. <laughs> so those right. are the challenges. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so hemp, which has like far less legal protection. like So 
even though you see it in like every single store you go into, is right. technically prohibited to sell um, hemp-derived CBD edibles in Massachusetts. Right. No gummies, no yeah. cookies, no flour directly to the consumer. Right. So anybody with a license, for the most part, isn't doing that because right. they know it's against the rules. Yeah. Every you know, every convenience store that has it is is getting away with it because right. the <laughs> rules aren't enforced. Yeah. And meanwhile, you can go legally into any <laughs> cannabis dispensary and get a CBD edible. Right. So we haven't banned CBD edibles. Right. We banned hemp-derived CBD right. edibles. And the only difference between the two plants is hemp doesn't have the same psychoactive properties. Right. That's really it. Like, we have grown the hemp that we're growing for CBD is really more reverse engineered from medical marijuana yeah. than it is from industrial hemp, okay. which is like, if you look at a field of industrial hemp, like hemp that's going to be grown for like fiber, yeah. it is tall, thin with like a little bit of hemp on top right. and like planted like wheat or corn. Yeah. If you look at hemp that is grown for CBD, it looks like marijuana. People right. are constantly surprised. In fact, yeah. stupid kids in Hadley will jump over a farmer's right. fence and steal their hemp. And not realize and that like. Well, you know, I wonder whether they don't realize it or whether they're going to sell it to their friends anyway because it looks enough like weed and it smells enough like weed that they can. So, you know, um, why was I saying that, you ask? Um, I don't really remember. (laughs) Uh, Like the importance of like hemp. Oh, yeah. So for CBD. So we're growing it for CBD, right? It's reverse engineered from medical marijuana. It's marijuana strains that were producing high levels of CBD. CBD really started to like be studied and explored for like just a vast wealth of, you know, we're not allowed to use the word medicine, but for medical applications, you know what I mean? And just showing like, I mean, studied and shown to have like amazing benefits. Mm -hmm. A lot of those studies don't tell you that it's more beneficial if you use a small amount of THC at least with it. But, I mean, that's the truth of it. So it's really ironic that, you know, we have this tendency, I think, just as a people to isolate things into their, like, you know, chemical constituents, which is hardly ever the best way to take something. But so, you know, so we found that CBD has all these medicinal properties and it seemed like there's going to be this like gold rush into CBD and the bottom has already fallen out of the gold rush into CBD. And a lot of it happened like... Within six months. Right. So farmers who planted fields thinking that maybe they were going to, you know, have like, I mean, we, they were being told like outrageous, like tens of thousands right. of dollars per acre. And we're talking farmers who maybe made $30 really? off of an acre oh, sometimes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and so the state of Massachusetts passed these regulations that, um, so if I can't sell hemp to the consumer, like if right. I can't sell you an eighth of hemp flour, right. because I mean, forget smoking it, which has, right. it actually has like all sorts of like, re- there's really good reasons to smoke high yeah. CBD hemp. Right. But even that aside, like CBD is expensive and you decide that it's beneficial, but you don't feel like buying capsules. Right. You could buy hemp flour, infuse it at home in your crock pot yeah. into coconut oil yeah. and take it. But the federal, but the state government doesn't feel like you're like clever enough right, to like to manage that. that out, right. So, or really, they're afraid that it looks so much like weed that right. they won't be able to figure yeah, it yeah. out. To right. which my argument is, okay, then make it twenty one plus. Right. Fine. Now it's illegal for me to have an ounce of whatever it right. happens to be. Yeah. You know. So, you know. So you. You know, so you can't have access to it. I can't have access to you. The difference is the price that I would get to sell it to the consumer is like. 
I mean, at a conservative estimate, let's say $300 for a pound. That's yeah. great, right? Mm -hmm. If I have to sell it for to be made into CBD oil, which would get put into like the topical products right. that are now definitely legal in Massachusetts. Right. We're talking maybe, if I'm lucky at this point, $10 a pound. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's wow. the difference between a farm that gets to be a farm right. and a farm that doesn't get to farm. Right, you know, right. like at $10 a pound, you might as well grow tomatoes. Right. You don't need a license to grow yeah. tomatoes. You're not limited. In, you know, you're not limited in what you can do with tomatoes. What what I like to compare it to is that the state government basically gave us all licenses to grow heirloom tomatoes yeah, yeah. and then came out with a rule that said we have to sell them to the ketchup company. <laughs> right. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. well, I don't... <clears throat> Like, I'm only growing heirloom tomatoes so I can sell them at a farmer's market. Right. That's, like, where the money is in, yeah. where the money is in right. artisanal hemp as right. well. You know, no, I'm not growing 200 plants in my, you know, right. of, like, hand-loved, you know, organically <laughs> fed. We made our own compost tea. And right. we, you know, like, I'm not doing that to sell it to just get pressed into right. oil and made into salve, right. I, you know. And so they, you know, so yeah, so they like literally bottomed out the market yeah. in Massachusetts and nationally. The, yeah. the bottom fell out of it nationally. Is it also because there's just so many products? Are there are there people making it that aren't maybe putting real? You know, yeah, there's because which is so okay. So one of the current ironies in the rolling target of hemp legislation is the governor currently has proposed in his supplemental budget. Um, a bunch of rules that apply to hemp, including one that would eliminate the processing and manufacturing license, mm -hmm. which like it feels really weird to advocate for government when right. you really kind of want to burn it all down. Yeah. But if we're going to have a regulated industry, we can't have half a regulated industry. Right. So by taking away that part of the license, they take away the requirement for testing right. on those products. So I can safely say to you right now that any product that is made and produced by a licensed Massachusetts, by somebody with like a Massachusetts hemp processor's license is the cleanest products in the country. Yeah. It has to be tested by law to the same standards as medical marijuana because, yeah. again, it passed in the same right. bill, right? So they said, you can do it all the same. Right. So we have... You know, it's tested for heavy metals. It's tested for mold and mildew, right. and and it's tested, you know, for cannabinoids. So, what is sold by licensed Massachusetts manufacturers really, I think, is honestly the best. Yeah. What is sold in stores is anything that they feel anywhere. like putting right. on the shelf, right? Yeah. So, like, and instead of like encouraging stores to like support Massachusetts industry, we're like, there's, we're like trying to have enough Massachusetts industry that stores can, you know? Right. Yeah. So it just sort of feels like they're constantly like moving the goalpost, you right. know? Yeah. Hmm. Um, what about for this year? Challenges coming up in, in 2020. So, well, the bottom for, fell out of CBD and now yeah. everybody has to figure out, are they still growing for CBD? Right. Um, there's still farmers who are getting into it who really honestly don't know yeah. what they're getting into. So like when people ask me like, you know, should I grow hemp? I'm like, okay, well, how much are you looking to grow? Do you know how you're going to harvest it? Do you know how you're going to dry it? Do you know, do you have an idea of who you're going to sell it to? Right. So, you know, so all of those challenges haven't gone away because right. we're, we're still in that same like amorphous legislative space. And plus there's all of the work of like, when I, you know, when I do my like PowerPoint, I tell people like, I wanted to be a farmer. I had to be an activist. Right. Like you kind of have to be to be in hemp right now. You yeah. have to be calling your legislators. Like, yeah. I will tell you what, though, 
being a hemp farmer has done so much for me in terms of civic understanding and duty. I like I feel like I can now write a song on how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> yeah. I understand I know my like my state senator. Yeah. Like I call and I'm like, it's right. Julia, I'm calling your office <laughs> yeah. again. You know, like I didn't know. I didn't even know yeah. who they were and I definitely did not understand how the state how like legislation worked. Work. Yeah. So awesome. Great. Really, really grateful for that knowledge. Really plan on using it for everything that I do. Wish I didn't have to go argue about like what seems like, you know, the most basic ideas that an agricultural crop. Like like we're trying to get a law passed in Massachusetts that so APR land is land that's an agricultural preservation. It allows for really low taxes and you have to use the land for agriculture because APR laws were written when hemp was illegal the word hemp is not in any apr law and we're literally just trying to pass a law that allows hemp to be grown on apr land so literally a law that allows farmers to farm an agricultural (laughs) product on agricultural land seems like that would be like a no-brainer right right? like you can make a phone call and that would be done that law passed or that bill passed the house of representatives in june and hasn't moved in the senate like just pass it like no one who's opposed yeah I know, no one's like really a group out there. There's no one. They just don't care enough to like pick it up right. and deal with it. And there's weird infighting because uh, the Senate passed a similar bill and which bill is going to get credit. Like, right. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to be able to like lease land across the street. Right. Yeah. You know, like and farmers want to be able right. to farm on farm. Yeah. Like, so like, you know, so it's incredibly like so all of those. That's still a challenge. You have yeah. to like fight or be part of that fight legislatively is still a very new industry. So we're literally carving paths and regulations as we go. Um, And then there's the idea of like, you know, people are really cautious to repeat the same thing year after year. So you grow one year and then the legislation like pulls it out from under, you grow a second year and the bottom falls out of the CBD industry. People are obviously being, you know, understandably cautious. And then, some people are thinking, okay, CBD is not the way to go. Even cannabinoids aren't the way to go. Right. So how do we figure out how to pivot? Because if we're going to have industrial hemp in the United States, yeah. it's not all going to be for CBD. Right. But we had prohibition in this country, so yeah. we have no infrastructure. Right. There is literally no large-scale facility in the United States to process hemp into fabric. Yeah, that was my next question. I was going to say, like, so now people must be trying to come up with like new innovative things to do with hemp and this seems to just there's always been a pushback on it for, yeah and is it because it's people just think marijuana and, i think and i mean there is a little part there is it. for sure still a part of it yeah. and you think there isn't and you think like okay we've moved past it there's a farm right. bill whatever and then i go to a zoning board meeting in the town of hadley next door right. and like crazed rabid mothers right. yeah. are screaming like what about the children right. yeah. and i'm thinking like we want to make a rope like, you know, what about the children? Right. You know, like, what are yeah. you worried about? Yeah. For that matter, what are you worried about with your children if there's like a cannabis farm next door? Right. They're going to have a really yeah. good fence. Like, that stuff's expensive. Yeah. Nobody letting your kids know. in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so there is definitely still, you know, confusion. And I mean, not even like, what's legal? What's CBD? What's right. hemp? What makes it hemp? Can it become marijuana? Like, there are so many questions. And so yeah. that's like, that is definitely part of, you know, why it's what, but. More, I mean, the the problem with everything is money, right? right. Like, um, New York 
released last year some grant money towards infrastructure building, yeah. you know, like creating facilities. So, which I believe at the very least, I think the state of New York now has like a large scale decorticator, which mm-hmm. basically means they're stripping the like fibrous outer layer off right. of the stock and then the inside is like the punchy cordy part yeah. of it so you, they go for you need to take the stringy part off to make the string right? right so one maybe in new york none in the rest of new england right um no and yeah none in the country like none on a scale where we could like right. really consider as farmers being like okay well i'm going to i mean massachusetts doesn't have scale like this yeah. but in general like even Idaho isn't, why are you going to put in like thousands of acres of hemp to do what with? Like, I know a woman who has a a hemp clothing company. Mm -hmm. And for the first time ever last year, she was able to source her hemp itself in in the United States. So she got, she started buying her hemp from New York and Vermont, but she had to send it to China to be processed into fabric, which she then turns into clothes. Because there's no, it's not like illegal. There's just nowhere to do it because we didn't develop that industry. So all Europe and Asia are way ahead of us in all infrastructure. I have a friend who is an amazing like hemp and cannabis activist and educator in Massachusetts and also um, is the head cultivator for a large uh, hemp farm in Canada. Mm. And they grew for seed this past year, like for seed to get pressed into like hemp seed oil. And they had a hard time because even the Canadian market, because there's no hemp seed market in the United States and the Canadian market was the hemp seed market. Even they got bottomed out by China Yeah, because China has literally tens of thousands. Like I know it sounds like everything else, but like they're way ahead of us in in like hemp cultivation and cannabis cultivation too. And like, so a lot of when you say like what's on the shelves for CBD is literally if you grow industrial hemp and you like chop the top off, there's some amounts of CBD in it. It is not what anyone who's growing for CBD is growing for because it's very low amounts. It doesn't have all the other trace cannabinoids. It's like, you know, it's like an industrial plant. But if you press enough of it, you will accumulate CBD and you can, which you can make into CBD isolate, which is literally the isolated CBD molecule. Mm -hmm. And you can make whatever you want. Like, you know, you can say there's 10 milligrams of CBD in it and there is, but CBD isolate is not the best. Right medicine or nutritive or anything that you can put into your body but you can certainly make a whole lot of it and flood markets with it so Mm -hmm. which is another reason why i feel like we need to like you know like in massachusetts we have this whole like csa movement this whole farmer's market movement this whole eat local movement and we could really support like not even just in massachusetts but in all of new england they could really support an artisanal hemp industry right because i don't have to compete with the guy who's going to be sold at cvs right i need to literally be able to penetrate my farmer's market and like have like a nice little business i'm not trying to be a billionaire hemp farmer i'm just trying to like survive at a very hard job right you know yeah. but do something that i really love and believe in and like it's doesn't need to be that hard it can right. be a little bit easy yeah, you know of course. like there's a farmer in the brattleboro vermont area so it's like an hour from my house who had who sells cbd at his farmer's market sells it at his farm store or not cbd hemp but right. like high cbd hemp 
and who this next year is trying out a pick your own model because that's even less work for right. the farmer. What a great deal. I yeah, would love yeah. to try that. I would love to bring people here and really benefit from the fact that we are a tiny family farm, that yeah. we have cute goats and chickens right. and dogs and children and yeah. this whole story about how we're doing, why we're doing and because we like idiots like literally like go to the ocean and gather seaweed and bring it back and ferment it you know like i feel like all i need to do is like capture like you know capture the audience that cares about that that's the only thing i'm trying to do but because the laws are so prohibitive like we can't even develop that artisanal hemp industry in massachusetts and we can't compete on a truly industrial scale right like what, all the farmland in Massachusetts put together is like one farm in North Dakota? <laughs> right. You know, like, we can't compete with that. Yeah. We're, where are we going to ship our fiber hemp yeah. to? Like, we can grow fiber hemp that is processed locally and made into a product that you pay a premium for because you care that it's made locally right. and processed locally. Yeah. But we are never going to be the state that supplies the hemp t-shirt industry, right, you know? Right. So we need the laws that allow us to do that. And right now we don't have them. So that's like the biggest overarching challenge, really. And that's, that's, that's not even close right now. Maybe it could happen tomorrow. They could pick it all. I mean, I have a, right now they're literally saying they're going to shut down our legislature because if they all sit in a room together, you know, they're all going to get, all going to get sick. But, um, you know, as of like a week ago, we had, uh, three bills that were really, you know, really actively like talking about yeah. uh, H4001, which would basically codify that, like we've already said several times, hemp is an agricultural product and every anything that's made from hemp, including cannabinoids, is part of that agricultural product and not right. an adulterant and therefore can go into food and beverage and animal products, which right. are also against the rules in Massachusetts, yeah. um, without... Being an adulterant. So basically it would right. make it legal for us to sell edibles yeah. and beverages and animal food, right. which is all we want to do. Yeah. Like that's the really bad, dangerous yeah, stuff we're trying to do is sell like pet tincture, right. you know? So, you know, so H4001, I mean, could get voted through tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, there's, I mean, there's a couple of other, there's a proposal that would, um, that would allow uh, Amherst, Matt, uh, University of Amherst to open an uh, educational research project into hemp cultivation, which would really help with the whole, like, how do we grow it sustainably? How do, you know, because right now they won't, they won't even talk about it because they take federal money and they're scared to, right? So even though, again, hemp is legal and I don't know why it's still a thing. Um, And then there's, you know, and then there's the governor's budget, which is trying to like, get rid of half of right. so we're fighting part of we're fighting this we're advocating for that we're still trying to get it to grow on APR land which just seems like so i mean literally it would just take the senate voting that through and the governor would sign it that could right. totally happen in a day yeah so any of it could happen i believe right. i am yeah. optimistic that as soon as <laughs> our legislators can get back to thinking about stuff they're going to right they're going to address all of these problems <laughs> let's hope right that's that's the plan, but uh, it hasn't happened yet, yeah. and we've been dealing. So June, like June twelfth, is when the shit hit the fan for the yeah. hemp industry in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, so that's how long we've been dealing with trying to get, you know, trying to trying to get back right. the the rule the rights that we started right. growing with. Yeah. And I mean, by June twelfth, there's not a farmer who hasn't 
started their seeds, planted their seeds, planted out their plants. Yeah. So it's not like, like we might have made a different decision legitimately. Like we are one of the smallest hemp farms in Massachusetts. We grew like 200 plants. Right. We might have chosen not to yeah. if we knew we couldn't sell flour to the consumer. Yeah. You know, right. if it was, if I knew that wasn't going to be an option, we might have just, we might have still done it because yeah. it's still like my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I would have just grown our like 12, high THC cannabis plants right. and like been able to give them a little bit of attention instead of just growing hemp, which I right. now have sitting in bins right, in right. large part in my home. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we might've done things differently right, if right. the rules hadn't changed literally midstream yeah. mid season. Yeah. Um, last year, um, I think it was last year they banned uh, vaping. Yeah. Products. For a minute. Yeah. yeah. So and I, I think I had posted something on Facebook and you had uh, written that like, most of those aren't really good anyway for you. Do you, do you so, so would it would explain that more? So it, the vape ban was this really weird thing because I am not a huge advocate of yeah. of vaping, but I found myself defending it because the the law was even stupider right. than like the product. Right. Um, but okay, so first of all, there's what they're so taking tobacco vapes aside right. like yeah. just talking in terms of like that, yeah right. cannabis vapes a lot of them were some of them still are even the ones that are made like in a dispensary are being cut with different you know basically you right. got to dilute it right? right like to get it to the right like yeah. dosing and viscosity right and propylene ethanol propylene glycol things like that are being used to dilute it and increasingly perhaps not being discovered that that is not a good right. idea. Yeah. And then additionally, the actual cartridges that they were putting it in have also been proven to be leaching heavy like metals. Metal right. Totally. Yeah. And I know for a fact, because like they've done tests on the product, go, they have to do right. tests on the product yeah. going in, and you know there's no heavy metals right. in it because it passed that test. Yeah. And then they tested again like a few months later, and right. now it like... Has. is over the limits for heavy metals. Yeah. And I think that you're increasingly seeing the industry respond to that and start to buy, you know, Better. C-cell, you know, cartridges. But at the time, it was all being shipped yeah, over from China. stuff to get. It, I mean, I know for a fact. Yeah. Because the company that I worked for, we were like literally out of vapes for weeks because we were waiting for stuff ships to, come, to come from China. Yeah. So, you know, so... All of that is true, and I think, but really, like, the larger picture, rather than those specific details, is that there's a lot of really smart people engaged in cannabis, both as professionally and, you know, just recreationally, and the technology tends to evolve faster than the science, most of which has been illegal and is still, like, far from keeping up, and we're essentially using ourselves as guinea pigs, because even if you take weird cartridges and if you take propylene glycol out of the equation and you're just talking about like like shatter or wax right. or like a, a concentrate that is strictly from the plant and concentrated down yeah. and i mean so concentrates are literally that right yeah take away all the plant material and only leave the like medicating right. parts yeah so the the two things that basically remain at that point when you've made a concentrate are cannabinoids and terpenes. Yeah. Terpenes are what give it its smell and its taste. Yeah. Um, the same terpenes that are in cannabis are the same terpenes that are in other plants, you right. know? Uh, so if you have a concentrate that's high in, in like 
uh, in like uh, lemonine, which right. is which is what gives it that like citrusy yeah. flavor, and is like one of my favorite terpenes. Yeah. Like I right. like up full sativas. I yeah. think that's great. But if at the, at high concentrations, that's what's being sold to you as orange solvent cleaner. Right. So yeah, what happens if you're vaping that concentrate yeah. for ten years? We don't know. Yeah. We literally haven't yeah. Yeah, found out yet. New, yeah. You know, and we have a pretty pretty phenomenal idea of what happens if you smoke flour for a long time yeah because historically people have right. and a pretty good idea of what happens if you smoke hash for a long right. time yeah. and hash is also a concentrate but not that doesn't concentrate to the degrees that you see with extraction like yeah. and even hash cultures aren't necessarily like dabbing all day yeah you know hash cultures have a very different relationship with how they're using hash yeah. traditionally than vaporizing it and inhaling it into yeah. your lungs like that shatter is solid at room temperature you yeah. vaporize it and you inhale it like maybe we're not sure <laughs> yeah. like maybe it's not good after 10 yeah. years and like when we when i was working at the dispensary and, you know, people would come in at first and we had the first concentrates on the market in Massachusetts yeah. and people would be like, oh, the stuff that I'm used to doesn't look like this. Yeah. It's like black or a gooier. Yeah, that's you're <laughs> smoking butane. Yeah, that's the butane you're dabbing. It's yeah. what you're used to. This yeah. is definitely better than that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who are making their own concentrates who don't make like the highest quality right. stuff. But like even like I like, you know, I like like hash rosin like i like pressing it yeah. sometimes i'll even do it i've done it with hemp i've done it with cannabis but i don't use it as much and as often and in the same quantities as i use flour right you know like and now there are people who do and i understand for medical i have friends who for medical reasons use it use it like yeah. i have friends with you know crohn's disease who get far more medicinal benefit from dabbing throughout the day than the amount of joints that right. they would have to smoke yeah, to yeah, relieve to their pain, that. you know? Yeah. So, like, but, I mean, when you're looking at pharmaceuticals, there's often a trade-off, yeah. right? Between yeah. your the the benefits right. and the health risks. Yeah. I don't think that we can pretend yeah. that cannabis, when we're using it for health, can't have any negative side right. effects or can't have any ramifications. Yeah, I don't definitely. think that that's a really healthy way to approach right. any plant medicine, you know? Like, we don't... You know, uh, like, like if it's not a good idea for pregnant women to use comfrey, that doesn't mean we don't think comfrey is a wonderful right. medicine, but I think it's a really good idea to be honest yeah. about all oh, of yeah. it. Yeah, and of I course. think that a lot of cannabis activists and fans tend to be really like, it's wonderful and that's all I want to say and there's yeah. no more to be talking right. about it. Yeah. I don't know, like, I tend to caution people that, like, like be cautious using your body as, uh, you know, as a guinea pig. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, just be aware that, I mean, cannabis terpenes are just like all the other terpenes. Yeah. And if you concentrate them, they can, they, they can, they're powerful solvents, yeah. you yeah. know, like just think about it a yeah. little bit, use it cautiously. I yeah. do it. I'm not like, and I'm not saying I've never like used a vape right. pen, you yeah. know, like there's a time and a place for all of it. Yeah. But I just think people should be like really thoughtful and informed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 There's still, uh, and, and I think that drove people to the black market. Oh, for sure, those, which which is, is, which is where most worse. of the products yeah. that were causing problems came yeah. from. So, like, didn't improve the situation. To, yeah. the, the vape ban was just stupid in every possible right. way. Yeah, it was like an arbitrary amount of time yeah. for or whatever, and, and it just 
I mean, arbit- like based on what? Like, again, like, right. you know, you hear this all the time in cannabis, but like how many people does tobacco and alcohol kill every right. day? Yeah, yeah. Like every single day more yeah. people die than have ever died right. in the whole country yeah, yeah. from vape-related illness. Yeah. We're not saying don't regulate it. We're right. not saying don't don't test, don't like yeah. pay attention. But like... It was like I 11 mean, people. Yeah, and like so we're not banning that, it. But, right. And like so... Governor Baker was very willing to ban all vaping products for yeah. the public good, and he wasn't going to wait for the FDA to act. That was like a big thing that he was like, we're, we're going to take care of this in our own state. We're going to be the first ones to ban it. Yeah. But with hemp and with CBD, his line has been over and over again, we're just going to defer to the federal government. We're right. going to wait for the FDA to act. Yeah, yeah. So like, it feels a little arbitrary. Yeah. you know? Like It feels like maybe you're picking and choosing when Massachusetts is going to take the health of its people yeah. into its hands yeah. and when it's not. Right. I drove by his house during that and uh, took a picture of my vape pen. <laughs> Showed him. <laughs> Did you know that they had proposed a bill at that time that passed the House but didn't make it past the Senate that would make it legal to um, to confiscate your car? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah like, literally so if you were caught car. with, like, I mean... I don't know how, like, I'm not sure how the enforcement process right. works. Are they allowed yeah. to pull you over because they see a vape pen? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. But if they catch you with a vape pen that you cannot produce a receipt showing yeah. you have paid taxes on, yeah, yeah. they can confiscate your yeah. car. I mean, yeah. civil forfeiture has been used to, like, rob the cannabis, you know, the yeah. cannabis black market for years. Yeah, but, like, but uh, to really see it, like, go as far as, like... Actual lobbying. Like, yeah. Like, like, I mean, they'll, you know, sessions are, like, are... Illegal cannabis marketplaces and police will absolutely go into them and basically be like, put it all in the bag and out right. you go. You know, yeah, like yeah. they've been stealing from people for years and yeah. like, and it's totally legal. Civil right. forfeiture is amazing. Yeah. If you ever have time to like peruse legal yeah. documents, look into civil forfeiture, yeah. it's basically the police get to bribe themselves. Right, right. They That's don't even, right. you don't even have to bribe them. They'll yeah. take care of it. They'll be like, we're going to take your computer <laughs> and your car, but we're going to let you go. Right. Off you go. You know, so yes, but to see it like being applied to like vape pens just yeah. really seemed like bold. Yeah. Seemed bold. Yeah, that was weird. Um, and then I guess sort of to close, sort of to get to the end here, um, I've heard from different people. Like recently, I had a friend, I said I was, you know, getting something at a dispensary and they were like, oh, like that overpriced. Oh, dispo you know. weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. I can see both sides of that because part of me is like, okay, well, I smoked it for years without it being regulated or tested. So, Same. You know, what you know, what would you say to someone that says something like that? I also see caught, both sides. Yeah, yeah, because I've, you know, I was using a, a, a company that del- delivers. Yeah. And I was, I, I haven't used it in a while, but I was using that even up until recently. Sure. And, I, know, it's black market, but it was always good stuff and... Uh, I can't say that uh, all of my cannabis is coming from dispensaries. I would say that most of it probably isn't. I don't think it's the best quality cannabis that you can get. I don't think that I won't pay. I'm I'm a medical card holder and I will maintain my medical card for political reasons if nothing else. And also like fuck paying taxes. People are in jail. Like fuck the government making any money off of this. Forget like 25% money yeah. off of this right. people are still in jail like yeah. who, who got out of jail no one like yeah. we covered that already Fuck paying taxes yeah. but like that aside like it's not you know it's not necessarily the best weed you can get it's not right. necessarily the cheapest weed you can get but also all of these people that talk about how expensive it is i don't know i was paying 50 and eighth for right. years yeah like, it's always didn't really sort of been, yeah. didn't really feel like that was yeah. like 
that out of line yeah. for me when that yeah. was the basic dispensary right. price. And again, like, I don't know, you made it legal and now you're mad about taxes? Yeah. Did you not read that part of the rules? Right. Like, did you think that wasn't yeah. going to be taxed? And, and like we were talking about earlier before is some of these people don't realize, like, when we were growing up, you know, yeah. it took like three phone calls. You yeah. had to like go and, over to some kids the basement, and, and that's you know. why I can't be mad, right? Yeah, like I can't exactly. be mad if you're if if you are going, and because if I don't feel like driving or my guys out or whatever, right. like I can go to a dispensary yeah. and I can literally like buy a joint and come home and yeah. watch a movie. Like I right. just can't. That, that's not a bad thing. No, no. You know what I yeah. mean? Like and and again, like you'll start to see more differentiation in that market and you'll start to see places that sell small batch flour that is really amazing. Yeah, yeah. I am confident of that. Yeah, definitely. Um I don't think we're there yet, but right. I how long did it take a craft beer industry yeah, to yeah. develop? You know what I mean? So yeah. like and you know what? Like I hear I to hear people all the time be like, oh my God, just grow your own. Right. Which is like great and all, except like, first of all, it's not that easy to grow yeah, good not, weed. Yeah. Like I hate to break it to right. them. Like, I've always thought of doing it, but I just know I I don't have the like, draw, like the. And I'm not saying you couldn't, to... but I also don't feel like it's reasonable to be like, just grow your own. Right. Like it's not a begonia. Yeah, yeah. Like it's expensive to yeah. get started. You, yeah. you know, if you're growing it indoors, you're growing it with lights. You're yeah. growing, you know, you're. You're paying attention. Like, yeah. you can't, like, water it out of the tap because yeah. the water that is poison for us yeah. is also poison right. for plants. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and if you're living in, like, a rented space, yeah, like, I was gonna say are that. you Someone willing might to... complain that yeah, the smell so, like, or something. Yeah, or... so, like, there's, like, I mean, that's why, like, social consumption, which we don't have yet, even though we passed a law saying we were going to yeah. have that, too, in Massachusetts. That's why it's so important because technically, like, if you're a renter, if you're a college student like there's so many places you cannot legally smoke weed let alone grow weed like so i'm just not willing to be dismissive that it's a good thing that there are stores where people can get it you know know, and like it's fun to be all like never smoked it never will but like okay cool like if you can like grow it or get it or i i have nothing but love for the illicit market they are they are the (laughs) forefathers of this industry but Can we not pretend that some of them are also unscrupulous right. characters? Yeah, definitely. Can we not pretend that they're also sketchy people? Right. Like, every time you call a, a delivery service, you are technically giving a criminal your yeah, address, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, yeah. make sure it's one you trust, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, like, you know, so I feel like it takes all kinds, and yeah. I'm perfectly willing to let the legal market become so amazing that we don't yeah, need we don't an need illegal you. market. Yeah. But, like, eh, it's not yeah. there yet. I agree. Good for everybody that we've got both ends right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for doing this. And definitely thanks for, uh, you know, if if people live in Massachusetts are enjoying the benefits of uh, cannabis through CBD, THC, hemp, you know, people like Julia, you 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 definitely have to thank for doing a lot of the work. I definitely don't think that I'm like first and foremost on that list, but luckily I know some of those people and I'll pass it on. Like (laughs) there are people, I I have the good fortune because it is such a small state with such a small industry of working with people that I think are like living legends, people who like literally have been you know, working their asses on and and in their own way, like part of their own civil rights movement. Because yeah. again, it's like black and brown and poor people who continue yeah. to bear the brunt of illegal cannabis. Yeah. So fighting for that is fighting for them if yeah. you're doing it right. You yeah. know, so yeah, awesome. I'm really lucky. We get to, I get to meet like real heroes. Yeah, definitely. All right, <laughs> thanks. <laughs>